If the last quarter of research has shown one thing, the framing of situations can induce people to make dramatically different decisions. What's up, listeners, and welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast co-hosted by myself, comedian Akinomo Bitan, and Professor Dan Cable. In each episode, the two of us pick apart, peer-reviewed, and published social science papers, and we squeeze them apart for their best bits, so that you, the listener, don't have to sift through pages and pages of academic literature. What's up, Dan? Billable hours. Ooh. It's all about billable hours totally man time is money time is money (laughs) wow um this article is a lot of fun but it's a little dire as well it's also something i have felt in my own life this whole notion about the last quarter of research showing that the framing of situations some of that is around like the kahneman and tversky stuff you know around nudge and all that kind of thing but this particular paper is around how the way that we're paid can frame how we value life, <laughs> how we value activities. And I think it's really, really interesting. And if you have, for instance, a lawyer that's on billable hours and literally like every quarter hour, even every eighth of an hour needs to be billed for after a day and a month and a year of that, it can start to change the way you think about all your time and all your time investments. Ooh, I, let's introduce the title and the authors because I'm getting excited ah. already. Uh, yeah, go for it, Dan. So it's Stanford DeVoe and Jeffrey Pfeffer, and the title is Hourly Payment and Volunteering, The Effect of Organizational Practices on Decisions About Time Use. They really do have to get every piece all of the information in. into the I mean, titles, honestly, don't they? Even that title's a bit much for our listeners to have to really hear yeah it's a bit like i um, needed to squeeze that juice a little bit didn't i don't blame it on the juice this is in the academy of management journal and so if i just had to say it quickly hourly payment and volunteering so there you go yep (laughs) (laughs) also what were they trying to look for what are they trying to look at here okay because you um, kind of started delving into I it. Did, and I was I like, oh, let me pump the brakes so we can give a little bit of a foundation yeah, for, uh, for the listeners. Well, uh, what I love about this is just that we as uh, workers can be paid in different ways. And like, for instance, you could have somebody that just got a certain amount of money for a year. You made your 25, 30 grand or whatever. And there's a bunch of different stuff that came up and you just did it. And another one is to say, we're only going to pay you for the time that you work or the specific hours that you're able to bill for. And it can have a big influence on how... Like, let me tell you a a personal story. Oh, go for it. I was a professor for quite a while, like about five or four years. I first at Georgia Tech down in Atlanta. So is this early in your career? Because my first job out, um, it was Atlanta, Georgia, and it was called Georgia Tech. And then I also then went up to University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill and I was a professor there. And that whole time, I was just on a salary. And, you know, that included a lot of different things. Like, I did some teaching. I did some research. I did some service, going to meetings, blah, blah, blah. But, like, you didn't break it out. And then a thing happened where I started doing on the side some executive education. That sweet side hustle. That sweet side that- hustle, baby. Baby <laughs> <laughs> needs a new pair of shoes. <laughs> so, anyway, what happens is... You bill by how much you do. So, like, you'd bill, like, if you did a two-hour session, you'd bill for that. You actually can bill quite a bit of money or, like, a half day or a whole day. But anyway, I started doing that and, like, started off being, like, a day a year and then started being, like, a day a month and started being, like, a day a week. And it's weird because as it became more prevalent for me to bill by the hour that way, I started thinking differently about, like, 
Mm, what I might call my hobbies. Yes. Like yeah. I used to renovate houses with my spouse. And it's just kind of weird how it just started to feel a lot less meaningful to do that work. If I just thought, well, if I just went over there and did a day, I could make enough to pay for five days of somebody else doing that sanding job. And here, here exactly is why Dan said that this study is actually, it's heavier than it sounds. What Dan's just described there, because what, I guess what we're talking about here is having a passion for something. So flipping homes, having a passion for that. And your passion could be anything. It doesn't really matter what it is. Just think of whatever it is you're interested in. The way that you get paid for the work that you do can now have an impact on how you view your life outside of work. That's it. And that is. Heavy. I mean, it's not funny, is it? <laughs> it's not it's like, there's, there's not punchline it's to that. It's kind of like funny it? weird. Yeah, very, very think, funny weird. I think it's funny weird because you, on the face of it, might not have thought that. Like, for instance, we, meaning uh, Allison and I, we didn't really do the house thing for the money. It was like upcycling. We loved finding bedraggled houses that sort of were let go and then You're bringing the people. them back. You're the people. Yes, when I watch, when I watch TV yes. and I see like Homes Under the Hammer yes. and all of these shows where they yes. buy it and flip it, I'm like, who are, yes. who are these people? There was like a way to spend time. Yeah. But then it just, as you are able to use your time and bill very strategically, you start to be like, well, I don't really want to do that four hour. It's like, well, that used to be called a hobby. That was something you did with a loved one. <laughs> so anyway, on this one, what they're looking at is whether or not you volunteer. Which is a fantastic thing for them to look at because volunteering is something that has a positive impact on the lives of other people. That's it. So it's quite scary to think that there might be a condition in your work life, which is preventing your likelihood of helping other people. I need to find some jokes, man. Because <laughs> everything that I'm saying right now, I'm just like, here's some doom and gloom. <laughs> oh my God, you're the specter. Yeah, I'm just, a bit, I'm saying it. I'm like, oh man, calm down, Akin. It's, uh, well, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, I guess, bit. yeah, because part of their hypothesis is that people who are paid by the hour are both less likely to volunteer and spend less likely and, and spend less of their time volunteering and that's in comparison to people who are on a salary so people who are salaried they don't necessarily think of each hour as having a monetary value so they behave quite differently outside of work because of that but people who do work where they can put a number and which is quite sad actually oh my god i'm going to be on such a downer this episode but imagine a number being put on your time per hour and that number is the minimum wage. Mm. Like, imagine what that says mm. to an individual mm. that your value... As low as possible. Yeah, the lowest possible value as a society that we can agree on that would still be fair, that's how much you get per hour. Oh, my God, I'm going to well up. I think a lot of us have held those jobs. I mean, I have. I, I, I held a lot of those types of jobs before becoming a professor. And I'll tell you, it it is weird when you start doing the maths and kind of calculating like, okay, I got a seven hour shift back then. I was making three fifty an hour. Free, it's going to be about free fifty yeah, for real. And so yeah, you, man. you calculate it out and that's like before taxes, you're like, well, that's not going to like buy me a lot of clothes. You know, like 
That means I might be working this week to buy shoes. You know, the, these shoes are worth yeah. 19 hours of yeah, my so time. You start doing that. Don't yeah, you? yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what, yeah, this is what the that, whole thing is. The yeah, whole thing that's about. the whole thing. And huh? so then if the thing is spending two to four hours in a soup kitchen, you start thinking, well, maybe it'd be better off if I just did my work. Did, did, some, did some overtime. Pretty interesting. Um, especially in some careers. Like if you are in consulting, you need to be able to point your time toward the client and the the activity that you are devoting that time to. In law, it's the same. It, it's not it, that's not just hourly. That's that whole notion of billable hours that I started yes. with, and that yeah. almost becomes a way of life, which is tragic on both sides of the scale. Because on one side of the scale, you can have a group of individuals who feel like their time isn't worth that much, so that affects them negatively. On the other end of the scale, if you've got someone who's billing, like, let's say, this is going to show you how I don't even know what real money is, because I'm about to, let's say, a real low figure, like it's high. <laughs> let's say, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to say a figure, and I know there's going to be at least one. Could you run it on a piece of paper and slide, slide it on <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to run a figure on this napkin, <laughs> and I don't want you to say yes or no immediately. <laughs> But let's say, for example, person A is on 15 pounds per hour and they just, they're a bit like, well, that's just what society or this organization has deemed my worth is. And then let's say person B is on, let's say 500 pounds per hour. Now person B, that even though they're still getting more per hour, it can still have a negative effect because now they compare the value of that time spent in the soup kitchen and they're a bit like I could spend two hours volunteering or I could be a thousand pounds richer. That's it. Okay. And, but in both scenarios, it's pulling people away from basically yes. doing, doing volunteering, good stuff, doing good stuff. Which is stuff about they- 5% of the economy in the US. Volunteering. Yeah. Volunteering accounts for about 5% of the economy. It's actually a huge, huge amount of value production in the world. Um, here's a, here's some fancy words Ooh. to echo what you just said. So this is about writing about lawyers and, um, the idea that billable hours mentality imbues people with the ethos of difficulty grasping non-commodified meaning of time. So non-commodified meaning it is hard for them to think about just doing something without monetizing it. They, they can't. And I've lived it. I, I'm saying, I think I've actually lived this. It is hard to like, just be like, I just want to take a bike ride. Yeah. You, you're like, well, what's it worth? I mean, if I just got on the bus, I could save nine minutes. Well, that nine minutes, it's worth money. That's real money. Time is money. It's like, you don't want to think that way, but your brain gets trained to think that way. Yes. And so, um, cause we're going to dive into study one, but what I find fascinating is they're using the hours that you get paid per hour. And they're also using volunteering as two very real examples. But the phenomena listeners try to imagine this beyond the two examples that are being given here, because what this study is indirectly and in some lines directly saying is that your work culture influences your behavior both inside work and outside of work so this isn't just about the hours that you get if there are certain cultures in your workplace this is somewhere where you're spending the majority of your life that's not an on-off switch so when we talk about work-life balance it's not that on-off switch 
What it's saying is that there are behaviors that you, that are conditioning you. They use the word institutionalized in the study where they say that work organizations more or less institutionalize people. And I remember watching, um, ah, oh, the movie in prison, the famous one, which is, there you go. Redemption. That's part of the issue in the Shawshank Redemption is that if you've been in prison for so much of your life, when you come out, how do you behave? Yeah, you don't even know what to do with your time. Yes. You, haven't, you haven't developed your mind to account for time in the normal way anymore. Yes. And what I loved in reading this is how this is one study and it looks at an extremely interesting outcome, which is volunteering, which is basically like helping the world and so on. But they review a load of research other than what they've done, where they call it like an accountant's appreciation for the microeconomics of time. And what happens is they essentially discount the worth of any activities when it's hard to calculate the economic value. Whew, man. It's a lot of crazy words there, but it basically means if there's something like helping people out or like just literally uh, helping my cousin out with his or her maths, right? Yeah. Well, my mind might just have a way of worrying that that wasn't the best use of my time because it's not monetizable. Yeah. And that sounds so messed up to say out loud, but in study after study after study, that's the kind of thing they're showing. And then what I think is so clever about this one, and we probably should jump right into study one now, is they looked at twelve, about 12,000 people in a nationally representative sample where they just called people up and had them walk them through their whole, like, day they like a 24-hour day essentially so it was like from 4 a.m to 4 a.m yep what did you spend that time and, doing? and every single minute had to be accounted for and then like it was like 5,900 people were in the non-hourly paid and then there was um 6,781 people in the hourly paid status so like pretty good split there Huge, huge numbers of people and they call them up and they did all this stuff and then that allows them to basically like have a representation of the entire population for the entire year. So from a sampling perspective, it's really strong. I think uh, speaking more on the sample as well, what I found interesting regarding this study is that they purposely omitted the self-employed, which is really important to note as well, because if you are self-employed, you are slash should be creating your own culture. So you're now not subject to what someone else has decided your worth is. You get to decide that. So once you start including the self-employed, it can skew information. Yeah. I'm not even sure which way. Well, that's what I was just about to say. Like like, you couldn't really say how it skews it. And I think that's why they had to remove it because it does complicate things yeah. which isn't to say that they wouldn't enjoy doing another study that looked at the effects yeah. of self-employed people but if they include that that's another like 18 pages and i'm glad they didn't <laughs> I'm, a lot more I'm like okay <laughs> this is just like, now, like a yeah. grapefruit now we're gonna <laughs> squeezing the grapefruit of social science <laughs> well i don't know i mean one of the things that i really was shocked by in terms of the findings was yes, it was statistically significant difference. And that if you were hourly, you did in fact um, do less volunteering than if you were non hourly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But <laughs> the average daily difference was 65 hours and 24 minutes versus 41 hours and 55 minutes is a 36% difference that, you know, that is sweeping. That's a major, major difference. A lot of the studies that I, frankly, uh, conduct and also publish and also read, 
we're looking for statistically significant differences because we've got a theory, and sometimes the theory doesn't predict whopping effects. It just kind of says on the margins there's going to be a difference here. This is one of these ones where uh, that's a major difference in how people are spending their time. That's like whether or not there is a soup kitchen or not, essentially. Yeah, yeah. which is – that's that's like yeah. – that's scary stuff. And I want to kind of give a shout out. So um, they credited Wilson and uh, Musisk. Music. Uh, for a, a previous study, but th- I guess this is a shout out to the people who do have a higher level of education, people who are of a greater age, uh, and the female gender as well, because all of these variables are positively related to people being more likely to volunteer. Mm-hmm. And these are some of the variables that they, or the conditions that they try to really look at, because it's essentially, it's like, there's some, there's certain reasons why some people might, might be less likely to volunteer. So for example, if you're a nurse, for example, mm. even though you're, you're, you're being paid for your job, you're also, it's not that you're volunteering, but your job is giving back to other mm. people mm. and you're working shift patterns and the, you know, weekends and things like that. So for someone who's in a, a caring role, they might feel like, well, I'm already doing even though I'm being paid for it, they'd feel like, oh, I'm doing a service. Yeah. So they yeah. might be less yeah. likely to. But also people who have to work every hour under the sun are a bit like, when I don't need to work, I need to just rest and yes. recover. Yes, Yeah. It's also, there's another thing I'm going to throw out here that is somewhat linked to that. It's this idea that there are loads of categories that people had to assign their time use to. And what they found is the only category that got predicted by paid by the hour was volunteering. So that's to say, it says um, it's only for the time use category of volunteering that being paid for the hour seems to affect people's decisions about how much time to spend on a category of activity. It basically shows that it's not as though people are saying, I'll do anything else. It's saying that this is the one thing that they are deciding to not do now. I guess you could say because they're hourly paid. You can't really say it's causal like that. I mean, I'm, you know, on the next study, you can say it's causal because they created a condition that led to uh, a desire to not volunteer. On this one, it's just saying that correlationally, once you are in the category of all of um, being paid by the hour, you chose to not volunteer strategically and substantially, but there's all these other activity. Um, I don't know if there were like t- 25 different categories, but none of those ones were predicted by hourly. Which, oh man. So, and cause we're kind of bleeding into study two now. And so in the first study, they're taking it. So this, the first study is like, it's not lab conditions. This is just like calling call us, people up. Yeah. Call you up. Tell me about your last 24 hours. There's no priming. It's just give me the information. Yeah. Study two is, and this is, this is the part that's a very trippy for me slash it's very, it's bonkers, man. So in study two, what they, what they've done here is they have exposed people. They've kind of pushed them into acknowledging how much they get paid yep. per hour. So let's yep. say you're on, I think the average London wage is about 30k per year. About 27, yeah. Yeah, around, yeah. So yeah. let's say like 27, 30k a year. Yeah. Now, most people won't spend the time to work out how much they get paid per hour. 
and decide to stop the science suggests you should not. Yeah, yeah. Don't get if, a if you haven't done it yet, do not do pick not up your do pencil. It. Do not type this into a calculator. Don't figure it out because <laughs> the results are terrifying. Yes, if you get yes. people who are salaried, so someone yeah. who's happily on 30k a year, you now sit that individual down. So this is what they do in the yes. study, by the way. They got 85, yeah, yeah, they it. got 85 people who were employed and they get, they, like, they, um, asked them to engage with this for like a $5, $5, $5 gift, gift certificate. Yeah. Fantastic. But what they took from these people <laughs> is arguably, oh God, their sanity. yes, <laughs> they arguably took more from them than they, than they gave. Oh like, because what happens if that with participants now, uh, uh, given a formula to calculate how much they earn per hour. Once they have that information, they are now less likely to volunteer. Yeah. And it's pretty strong too. You know, it's, um, I do a lot of surveys where you ask people questions like strongly agree. That's a one strongly disagree. That's a seven, you know, those kind of, and we've all taken those kind of surveys before. And a lot of times on my studies to have a statistically significant effect with 85 people, maybe it would jump, you know, 0.4, that kind of thing. It goes from a, oh, um, a three neutral to a 3.4 slightly agree, you know, that kind of thing on this one, the jump just by having people calculate that hourly rate, it jumped from a 4.4, which is right in the middle of the scale, to almost a 6. So it's like a point and a half jump. And you just had them do this little bit of calculation work. And that's essentially answering items like, I'm unlikely to undertake any type of work without being paid. Or volunteering is a worthwhile use of my time, even if I do not get paid. I mean, like, it's basically your willingness to go out and contribute if you're not being paid. Yeah. And this is fascinating. So if, so let's say one of the statements is volunteering is a worthwhile use of my time, even if I do not get paid. So if you're on an annual salary and you know what that salary is with that statement, you're probably going to lean closer towards the strongly disagree side of it. Mm-hmm. So volunteering is a worthwhile use of my time, even if I do not get paid. Let me correct myself, sorry. You're going to likely lean towards the strongly agree side of it. Uh, yeah, so just, <laughs> let me say that one more time because I've confused myself and definitely the <laughs> listeners. So volunteering is a worthwhile use of my time, even if I do not get paid. If you're on an annual salary, you're more likely to strongly agree agree with that. That is a good use of your time. If you're on an annual salary and then you now discover what your time is worth per hour, that response now shifts you closer to strongly disagreeing. So essentially by figuring out what you're worth per hour, it's, it's, it's then creating a condition in you mentally where you now don't believe it's worth spending time on things that you won't get paid for. Yeah. And you know, once you know that effect is there, you can kind of see the logic. That's the thing. I mean, with many of these studies that we go through with you, uh, listeners, once you hear that it works that way, you can be like, oh yeah, I guess I can see why that would happen. It's just like in advance, I think it would have been a little bit hard to have predicted these whopping effects just by getting people to calculate. They're already making the money. Like the truth is already in the bag there. All you're doing is you're having them make salient the number per hour. And then it creates these very strong and significant effects. I, I do wonder what, so have becoming more aware of the effect. I do wonder what things people can put in place hmm. 
to consciously counter mm. the effect. So it's like, now that I know this, what could I then do so that I'm, I oh, guess. Uh, yeah, I've got yeah. some ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, 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 obviously, you know, it's kind of interesting because we're moving well, you know, out of the data space. The one other thing I wanted to say in the data here is, this whole study two thing, it didn't do anything for people that were already paid by the hour. Yes. That's kind of cool too, because it means that the effect is really around like, okay, people that are already paid by the hour, they're already thinking this way. Yes. So without even being, I don't have any solution yeah. for those people. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, we have to talk about that, but yeah. it seems like the solution that I might have is for people that are paid by the hour. It's a try not to go down this path of doing that calculation while to be honest, sometimes it can be a little bit alluring to do that. Like mm. the thing that I did, which is a little weird. Um, so I, all growing up, I had these kind of jobs I was telling you about, the 350 an hour, and I eventually got up to about seven an hour. But it was things Whoa. like weeding in I know, I know, it's a little weird. Um, but one was like weeding in a garden center, one of them was working in a newspaper where I would like print out these big pieces of metal and get them stamped and i worked in a shopping store like a shop and save or like i was the checkout guy these kind of jobs and i'm making that little bit of money and then i went off to uni and i got this summer job where they treated it more like a salary they didn't tell you you're hourly they said well if you if you made it a, a year thing it was 40 grand a year and it was at pepsico in purchase new york man that must have blown your mind man it really genuinely did because I never thought I'd be worth that kind of money. A. And B, I think that was like more than my dad was making at the time as a truck driver or my mom was a secretary. I think it was more than they were both making. I was like, geez. First thing I did is I calculated what that meant per hour. Oh, no. I swear I did that because oh. the idea was I wanted to bring it back to how successful I became. Yes. And like, it was a great number. <laughs> it was a really great number. But what this kind of tells me is like, okay, it might have given you a little bit of bump of confidence or something like that but it means you're getting that bump around like what's the economic value of an hour of your time and then this is saying that isn't really great that that frame maybe that drains some of the beauty out of life or something it, it drains it's it's basically reducing an you individual to a robot or yeah, something yeah yeah it's, it reduces yeah. you to it's a number it's almost like saying here's what your hands and your soul are worth or something yeah. like that yeah and then all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm not going to use it on that. I just like doing that. But like, if you're not giving me the dollar, I'm not going to even do that anymore. So I don't know. I guess that there's something a little counterintuitive because in my own life, I'm a guy that did the wrong thing. Yes. <laughs> well, and, and on that note as well, cause I've, I've worked, I've worked fast food. I've worked retail. And if I just stick to fast food at the moment, so one thing that I could tell myself is whilst working, for, I can't remember how much I was earning back then. Let's say like five pounds an hour. So now I could derive my worth as an individual, as an employee at five pounds per hour. However, I worked uh, on the tills. So I was uh, a cashier. And what made me actually derive a greater sense of value was seeing how, see kind of like watching people's faces when you gave them their food. Like it was, there was something about when someone's like been queuing up and it's their turn and I just treat them like a person mm, mm, and I'm just a bit like, mm. Hey, what would you, and I just engage them. And there's something mm. about connect. When I started connecting with each individual customer, I was then less concerned. I didn't see my value at work primarily or solely, should I say, I didn't see it solely 
as what I'm paid. I then started realizing that there was a value that I was adding to other people's lives. And I feel like that's what gets lost when you're not able to kind of keep a value on your time that's outside of it just being a number. Hey, let's talk about that because I think what's so cool about what you just said and the phenomenon under this whole study is that because it's a number, it's really accessible and it's really objective and it's Mm. really like visible. Yes. So it's almost like that imprints your brain. All this stuff about like having the impact of making somebody's day. It's like, yeah, that's really important. But like, what's the number? Yes. Is that a six? You know, and it's almost like our brains, especially in a workplace environment, are trained to look for the things that are easy to count. Measurable. It's like, if you can't measure it, it's not there. Of course, that's not true. I don't believe that at all. But I'm just kind of like helping my brain understand why my brain works that way. It works that way because it's salient, objective, visible, statable. And not an idea that may be important, but not very, like, what? Numeric. Yeah. And you know what? This is, I guess, bringing more personal stuff into it. I think this is one of the things that I love. And I know in this study, they removed self-employed people with great reason. One of the things that I love about stand-up comedy is I have performed for free. And I have performed for hundreds of pounds. I have performed in competitions. I have performed at fest. Basically, I've performed under several different conditions. And because the conditions vary from show to show, I can't put a number on what I'm worth as a comedian. Mm -hmm. The only way I know, the only worth that I have as a comedian is whether or not people laugh. So my my Mm -hmm. estimation of my value as a comedian has to be intrinsic. Like, because... For the same show, you'll have like, even if on the same lineup, you might have a comedian that's getting 500 pounds for that gig. You might have, and but let's say he's doing 20 minutes. He or she's doing 20 minutes. You have another comedian who's doing 20 minutes and they're not as well known. They're getting, let's say 100 pounds for 20 minutes worth of work. One person's getting 100 pounds. The other person's getting 500 pounds. Guess who's the better comedian? I'm going to say the 500, but I mean, I'm probably falling into your trap. I know. (laughs) I guess who laughs more? There you go. (laughs) There you go. Like it's the one who gets you to laugh more. Like that's it. Yeah. The number doesn't matter. The The number number really, the the number only matters to my landlord because he's like, where's my rent? Right. Like the la- the money right. only matters when I go to Itsu yeah. and they're like that <laughs> that sushi's gonna cost you nine pounds. Unless you want to buy like, yesterday. Yeah, unless I, yeah, if I hit up at like eight thirty PM when they drop all of the prices. But it's a bit like if we're able to to kind of see the value in ourselves and what we do beyond that number, and comedy forces you to do that. Because when you're about to hit that stage yeah. It really doesn't matter how much you're being paid or not. If you let it affect you, it can matter yeah. because now you're probably operating from a place of this is a job. Yeah. But when you get off that stage, yes. I've, I know there's like so many anecdotes. I know comedians who, um, were, were performing when they should have been paid. And when they got off the stage, they didn't even go to see the promoter. They was like, I don't even want the money. They were like, I've done such a poor oh, job wow. that I don't even deserve to be paid <laughs> for bombed, it. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, bombed. Wow, and wow. then they just yeah. feel a bit like yeah. Yeah. it's unfair for me to now 
take money right. when I've not done what I'm supposed I to do. You. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta pay you for the mess that I just yeah. made of that. <laughs> but even saying that, that's a great point because there's a culture in uh, American stand-up comedy called pay to play where comedians have to pay. Mm. They have mm. to pay in to, order, in order mm. to work their stuff out, like work their jokes out. Yeah. That's, I get that. I get that because then you're almost giving them a practice session. Exactly. Well, anyway, I mean, I love this thing. I loved it for a lot of different reasons. And while, as Atkins said, while this particular one looked at hourly pay very specifically and volunteering very specifically, and that's all very important, the more general implications of it are what fascinated me around it. So, hope you people enjoyed that. Take care, folks. (laughs) Ciao.